Howdy, everyone. It is tea time. I'm just a few minutes late, so apologize for that. But I wanted to um, wanted to do this anyway, even though I'm actually traveling for Thanksgiving, as I'm sure many of you are, visiting a friend. But I thought it was worth having the, uh, the regularly scheduled tea time at 4 Pacific. Anyway, a couple things to talk about. This will be relatively quick. Uh, as a reminder, my name is Carter Laren. You're watching Unsafe Space. Uh, you can follow us at Unsafe Show on Twitter. You can go to patreon.com slash unsafe space. You can go to unsafeshow.com. You can also look for our podcast, Unsafe Space. This Thursday, actually, uh, I know is Thanksgiving. Carrie Smith and I usually do a show called Deprogrammed at 11 a.m. We have pre-recorded it, and so we'll we'll be releasing that on Thursday at 11. So you can hang out with your family and and listen to that or watch that if you want. We will talk about how to uh, talk to some of the crazy leftists that might be at Thanksgiving and what to expect from your social justice relatives. So without further ado, let me... Just go through a few items here. Not not too much to talk about. Like I said, this will be relatively relatively quick today. The first thing that's been in the news quite a lot is, or at least was on Twitter, was this comment from Congressman Eric Swalwell from California regarding the Second Amendment. So uh, Joe Biggs was arguing, I guess, on uh, on Twitter about the Second Amendment and and making the point that, hey, you know, people would fight if the government went to confiscate weapons, that a lot of Americans who have guns would would resist. And and also that was the purpose of the Second Amendment, to, to allow the citizenry to resist an oppressive government. And so Representative Swalwell says... Well, so I guess Joe Biggs first says, so basically Rep Swalwell wants a war because that's what you would get. You're out of your effing mind if you think I'll give up my rights and give the government all the power. So this is what Joe Biggs says. And Swalwell responds with a tweet that got him in a lot of trouble. It said, and it would be a short war, my friend. The government has nukes, too many of them, but they're legit. I'm sure if we talked, we could find common ground to protect our families and communities. Now. Twitter exploded with this and said, oh my God, Rep. Swalwell is threatening civilians with nukes. And of course, Swalwell said, you know, don't be dramatic. I'm not doing that. That's ridiculous. People came to uh, to his defense and said he's not doing that. He actually claimed the other day that the issue was, uh, was over and done with because <laughs> Snopes debunked the idea that he was threatening civilians with nukes. But you don't need Snopes to tell you uh, what what was said, and you don't need Snopes to tell you whether or not Swalwell was threatening. Just read his words. Now, obviously, he didn't say I'm you know I'm about to do this, but the point that he says it was a, it would be a short war. The government has nukes, too many of them, right? He's saying, well, the government would would use nukes, right? At least to bring you to the negotiation table, they would at least threaten the use of nukes. And he's using that as an argument against this idea that people could resist the government. He's saying, well, no, we, we have nukes, right? You'd have to talk to us. 
right? And there is an implied threat there. No matter what Snopes or anyone else says, don't don't trust Snopes. Read the tweet yourself. It's it's an implied threat saying maybe he'd be good with nuking uh, cities, I guess, if, if people resisted. Now, I don't think the, the government would likely do that. Well, at least I would hope that the government wouldn't nuke cities just because people resisted. And I would imagine that if people resisted the confiscation of firearms, a lot of the people in the military wouldn't want to enforce. Uh, and, and police wouldn't want to enforce this. They wouldn't want to get in a in a in a ground war with civilians who are armed. A lot of them, you know, have civilian friends, um, live in communities with with people who are gun owners. So I don't think it would go that way. But just first of all, to kind of claim, oh, I'm not, you know, I wasn't threatening nukes. He kind of was. He kind of was threatening nukes. Uh, He kind of was saying, screw you, the government's got nukes. We'll do whatever you want. So that was uh, that was the big brouhaha with respect to Swalwell and the Second Amendment recently in in the news on Twitter. Not much to say about that other than it's it's atrocious, atrocious obviously. And and look, the Second Amendment was designed to resist wayward governments. That's just a fact. Founding fathers talked about it. Read literature of the time. Read the arguments around it at the time. It was written specifically to resist uh, wayward governments who had become uh, too oppressive or out of control. So it's not a hunting amendment. Hunting wasn't that important. It's a, it's a resist the government amendment. That's what it's for. So that's that. The main thing I want to talk about today is that yesterday was International Men's Day. Now, you probably didn't know that. I didn't realize it until after yesterday had passed. It was maybe the end of the day or something I had heard about it. So not very advertised. But I thought we would maybe take a time out since we're a lot of us are going to visit family and friends for Thanksgiving. And we're going to be looking for things to be thankful for. I think maybe you would consider being thankful for the patriarchy. I know that's triggering to some of you feminists out there. But and of course, you know, there are misogynists and bigots and, and horrible men out there, just like there are horrible women out there. There's there's horrible people out there. But in general, uh, let's take a look at, at the current status of the patriarchy and see how well men are really uh, oppressing women and putting themselves in better position than women and really making women's lives hard while taking it easy for themselves. Let's just take a look at some some stats because, of course, the feminists and um, especially the kind of radical feminists, they'll point out the number of CEOs that are men versus women or the number of board seats that are men versus women. And, you know, that may all be that may all be true. There may be a number of reasons for that. It's not always bigotry, uh, although I know that's the narrative. But let's let's just take a look. If if men were if the patriarchy was was so ensconced and so powerful and women were under the thumb of the oppressive males in society, and I'm specifically talking about the U.S., would some of these things be true? Let's just walk through some stats you may not be aware of. Suicide. Men's men are, and you know, these are quick stats here. Suicide. Men are three to four times uh, more likely to commit suicide than women. Now, uh, my understanding is that suicides uh, among women have been growing. 
um, recently, so that gap has been closing, but it's still three to four times as, as likely. Well, that's that doesn't sound like the patriarchy, or at least it sounds like an incompetent patriarchy. They're killing themselves at a greater rate. Let's look at life expectancy. Well, girls born today are about, uh, they can expect to live about four years longer than, than boys. That could be a number of factors. Now, by the way, I'm not implying with any of these statistics, I know if these statistics were reversed, right? If suicide among women was three to four times that of men, the feminists would be screaming and yelling and demanding that, you know, it's it's the responsibility of men and it's men's fault. And, uh, you know, society had to do something about it because uh, women don't have agency and it's men's fault. I'm not claiming that it's women's fault that men have suicide three to four times uh, as much or commit suicide that much. It may not be women's fault. I doubt it is. I don't think it is. Similar with life expectancy. I don't blame women that they live longer, but they do live longer. And of course, if men lived longer, uh, you know, we'd never hear the end of it from the feminist culture. So those are those two stats. Let's look at homelessness. Well, the U.S. Interagency Council on Homelessness estimates that of the chronically homeless, about 75% are male. Don't hear a lot of feminists arguing that there needs to be equality in the homelessness situation, do you? Right? California recently passed this law forcing publicly traded companies with headquarters in California to have women on their boards. I don't see any similar laws being proposed to make sure there's as many homeless women as there are men, but 75% male. And about a third of those are veterans, which is another kind of obvious difference between how men and women are treated in society. Most men, uh, sorry, most military service people are, are men by far. I don't have the stat here in front of me, but we all know this is true. Only men are subject to the draft. So all of that blood that's been shed in history, some of it for unjust wars, I get. Some of it just wars defending uh, ourselves and defending our freedoms. All men. Almost all of it men. Not all. Almost all men. So, you know, I would think the patriarchy could maybe make sure that it was all, a women would all be homeless and the men would be fine and you would send women out in the front line to get shot, not men. But that's not what happens. Men, men go out to protect their families and the idea of the United States and our values and our freedoms. It's men. And it's men that are homeless. Let's look at boys versus girls um, in terms of how, how they're treated legally with respect to circumcision. Male circumcision is quite common. It's fortunately been declining for quite some time. For those of you who don't know, male circumcision is typically done without anesthesia. It rises, it raises uh, cortisol levels in young boys for, I think, six months or longer after that. There's elevated cortisol level, level, uh, levels in, in boys who've been circumcised. So it's extremely traumatic for young boys. I think it removes uh, roughly a, a third or some, some ridiculous amount of the, of the foreskin. It is a brutal, barbaric practice that is done on boys without really a thought. Now, the the rate has declined. I think it's around, let's see here, 70, it was 77% in 2010, and it had been 83% in the 60s. So it's been declining, which is good. I don't know if the, the current number is here in 2018, but it's still a lot. It's most boys 
are are circumcised. Um, so, yeah, what happens if you try and circumcise females, or how many females in the U.S. are circumcised as little girls? Not that they should be. I'm not advocating for that at all. I'm advocating against male circumcision. But let's look at the disparity there. Well, female circumcision is illegal. It has been illegal for quite a long time. So a handful, you know, people who are doing it illegally. So we treat our, our young boys with contempt and disdain with it when it comes to chopping off part of their body without anesthetic uh, for no reason at birth. But of course, we protect our female children. So, so there's another chalk one up for the patriarchy. Again, that's excellent. And now let's, you know, the last thing I want to go through here related to this is I looked up the top 10 dangerous professions. Now I don't have stats on all of these, but here are the top 10 dangerous professions. So these are the professions that in which people are most likely to die. So let me actually pull this website up here. Actually, it's time. And this is as of 2016. And these are fatal injuries uh, per 1,000 workers and total deaths. And there's a, a little ranking here. In rank order, and I, I'd like to, you know, as you hear this, as you listen to this, think to yourself what you expect in terms of the breakdown between male and female employment in these particular occupations. Just, just take a guess. See if there's anything, a through line that might be consistent here. Number one most dangerous job, logging workers. Number two, fishers and related fishing workers. Number three, aircraft pilots and flight engineers. Number four, roofers. Number five, trash and recycling collectors. Number six, iron and steel workers. Number seven, truck and sales drivers. Number eight, farmers, ranchers, and other agricultural managers. Number nine, first-line supervisors of construction trades and extraction workers. And number 10, grounds maintenance workers. Anything strike you as similar between all these jobs? Because something struck me right away, and I started to look into it a little bit further. They all seem to be pretty male-dominated. Let's look. Are they all male-dominated? Well, the only one I didn't get data for... Um, and it may be out there. I had limited time to do research here because I am on, on a holiday. But fishing and and really and fishing related workers, I didn't find data. I I think they are mostly male, at least in the developed world, at least in the West. But if someone's got stats there, feel free to share. But let's go through the other ones. Logging workers. Ninety six percent of logging workers are male. That's the number one most dangerous job. The number two, the fishing and related, like I said, pretty sure it's mostly male, but I, I didn't find a stat quickly before this show. If you've got a stat, share one with me, but I would be willing to bet it's mostly male, especially in, in, the, in the developed countries. So number three, most dangerous job, aircraft pilots and, and flight engineers, 6.2% female. So what's that? Almost 94% male, mostly men. Roofers, that's the number four job. Roofers, 99.5% men. 99.5%. Trash and recycling collectors, 96.8% uh, men. Iron and steel workers, 
97% men. Truck and sales drivers. Well, I got I got stats for truck drivers. I'm not sure what a sales driver is exactly, but 7% are women truck drivers, so that's 93% male truck drivers. Farmers, ranchers, and other agricultural managers. It's a difficult category to look into, but I looked into just farmers. This is the largest percentage of women in any of them that I looked into. And the percentage I have for farmers here is 69% male. Still, mostly male. Number nine, first-line supervisors of construction trades and extraction workers. Now, I was able to look at the construction industry as a whole. It's not clear who's kind of the first line from the anecdotal information that I have. Most of the females in construction are not on the front line. They're actually in safer jobs uh, than, than most of the males. But overall construction, uh, 91% male. So clearly male-dominated. And the last one, grounds maintenance workers, the number I found for that is 6.9% uh, women. So that's what, 90, what, 3.1% male. So with the exceptions of fishers, for which I don't have numbers, and farmers, it's 90-something percent male in all of those, all those occupations. And all of those occupations are mostly male. So. Again, I think if the patriarchy were doing any kind of competent job, the most dangerous professions would be would be female led. They would be female run. It would be women who are dying logging, not men. But it's men. So maybe this Thanksgiving, in honor of International Men's Day, which was on Monday. Maybe this Thanksgiving when people go around the table and talk about what they're thankful for, maybe you can piss off your feminist and SJW relatives by saying, you're thankful for the patriarchy. Eh, I use the term patriarchy kind of sarcastically, but be thankful for men. There's a lot to be thankful for, for women for, about, and we often do, although I think feminists... Uh, do like to not bother thanking mothers, so it might be good to thank moms for, for raising children because it's a, a critical role in society, especially when done right. But but we rarely thank men. We rarely, other than veterans, sometimes when, when people come back from war, we sometimes thank men. But generally, when was the last time you thanked a logging worker or a roofer or your trash collector or the guys who are working iron and steel or the people who are farming for you? We tend to not thank those men. And maybe this Thanksgiving, you can be thankful for the men who helped build and keep society running. Doesn't mean that women aren't playing a role, so don't go crazy, feminists. But men play an important role. And they do a lot of thankless jobs. And they die early. And they commit suicide more. And they're homeless more. And they get drafted when women don't. They fight for us, and, and they do a lot of thankless jobs that other people will consider crappy. And they do it mostly without complaining. So this Thanksgiving, thank the patriarchy. Thanks for watching. I know this is a short episode, but you probably have turkey to eat or turkey to prepare for, uh, to prepare to eat on Thursday. 
Like I said, you can follow the show at Unsafe Show on Twitter. You can go to patreon.com slash unsafe space. You can go to unsafeshow.com. You can find the show on your favorite podcast app. And as a reminder, this Thursday, regular time, we will be releasing our weekly deprogrammed episode in which Carrie Smith and I will talk more about Thanksgiving, some of the expectations you might have from your SJW relatives that will be sitting around the table with you, and how to maybe talk to them, So, and how they might be trying to talk to you. So thanks again, everyone. I really appreciate your time, and uh, I will talk to you again I don't know, sometime next week, probably sometime after Thanksgiving, alive. Take care.